0: just want to say Happy Easter and Passover to those of you who celebrate. And I'd like to give you my favorite Passover memory. Uh, We were not allowed junk food at home, and you know what I really liked or craved? Kentucky Fried Chicken, KFC, because there was one right near my school and it just pumped out that smell. That was delicious. But I wasn't allowed to have one. But on Passover, my mother would give me a couple bucks and I was allowed to walk over to the KFC and buy one drumstick and eat it and save the bone. And that bone would be the shank bone on the Seder plate for our Passover Seder. Mm Mm-hmm. KFC provided our shank bone. Uh, The shank bone represents sacrifice. I think a lot of sacrifices were made for that Seder plate. Welcome to Parenting is a Joke.
2: It used to be chill. It's all up in smoke. I think it's still fun. Parenting's a
4: joke. I was cool. Oh.
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Parenting is a Joke. I'm a person teetering on the edge named Ophira Eisenberg. And on this show, we bring together comics to talk about their work, their career, and what it is like to do all of it with kids in the mix. Yeah, like, how the fuck are they doing it? How? I have no idea. In today's episode, I talk to Jimmy Pardo about his long-running podcast, Never Not Funny, and his meltdown at an Elton John concert.
5: You know, there's my 15-year-old son with his arm around me going, it's okay, Dad, it's okay. And I'm just blubbering like an idiot. It hit me. My mom passing away, Elton John's final show, mortality, my son, 15, becoming a man. It all was like, ugh, boy, oh boy.
0: Okay, I just have to say something maybe obvious, but here we go. I am a little tired of hearing stand-up comedy where childless comics talk about how much they hate kids. You know what? Shut up. Okay? You have to have kids to know what it is to hate kids. You're just talking theoretically, like, I hate space travel. Leave that premise to those of us who know what we're talking about. Okay? Can't you just deep dive into stuff that you know? Like, how much you hate feeling well-rested and going to happy hours and last-minute trips to the Bahamas, because I have nothing to say on that. Moving on. I know I told you a couple weeks ago I was going to Disney over spring break. Oh, boy. We leave next week. Oh, my goodness. Am I getting my Disney plans together? Am I? Am I? Um, by the way, I might as well be preparing for climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. I mean, everyone I talk to, I'm like, oh, we're going to Disney. They have a lot to say about their experience making this trek Uh, Cluelessly, by the way, I made some food reservations at the park based on just what was still left because there was not a lot of availability. So, as it stands right now, we'll be eating dinner at 4 p.m. And you know what? I'm weirdly into that. And one of the restaurants we're going to, based purely on what was available, is I think the most non Disney restaurant ever. It's called Liberty Tree Tavern. Here's the description. Pay tribute to our founding fathers as you dine at this stately, colonial-style inn, serving traditional New England-inspired fare. (laughs) Not New England fare. New England-inspired. Which basically means it's Thanksgiving dinner all day, every day, people. I cannot wait to see how politically problematic this place is. Colonial style? Oh, yeah. Founding fathers? Perfect. Perfect. New England-inspired fair. What could go wrong? There are six rooms, each themed around a pivotal figure in U.S. history. Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, John Paul Jones, Paul Revere, Betsy Ross. Okay, that is the best they could do with getting a woman in there. America's seamstress. And, of course, George Washington. So... All of our favorite Disney characters. I want some George Washington ears. Now, according to the website, in the George Washington room, it's actually called the George and Martha Washington room. When do they change that? Anyhow, you could find George Washington's wooden teeth, which, by the way, is the first deception, because that is a myth, that he had wooded teeth. Do you know that? Of course you do. All those wooden teeth that you see in museums around the world? No, no. He had shitty teeth, yes, and he had many dentures because they all fell out. But they were not made of wood. It doesn't work. They were made of uh, cow and horse teeth. They were made of ivory, metals, but not wood, zero, zero wood. The myth came about because they were stained. They were so stained that people thought they looked like wood. And just like now, even before the Internet, people would just spread falsehoods, and sooner or later, that would become the historical truth. What are the other lies I am going to experience at Disney? What are they? So, I found a mom who is a self-proclaimed disnerd. She taught me that term. She has 50 pairs of ears and great tips. Kate O'Malley,
1: thank you for talking to me. You're welcome. Happy to be here.
0: I would just like to describe right now what Kate is wearing. She's got some ears on.
1: Oh, I have an unhealthy amount of ears. Um,
0: <laughs> What's unhealthy? Give me a number.
1: Uh, oh, geez. 50, 60. I no, don't really that is know. Unhealthy. Yeah. Just right
0: off the top. I've never been. I'm a little scared about it, honestly. I wonder if I'm just going to leave and be like, we did that wrong. <laughs>
1: I don't know if there's any right way to do it. There are strategies. Burnout is a real thing. When I go with my family, we don't try to do everything. Um, And a lot of people have a hard time with that because they're like, oh, my gosh, I spent all this money. I have to wake up at the crack of dawn so that I can get to the park as quickly as possible and get on as many rides and see as many characters. And then I have to stay all the way through the fireworks. (laughs) And you see these families coming back to their hotel rooms and they just look defeated. Yeah, you want to get your money's worth, but you also want to make sure you have fun too.
0: Okay, so the first time you went with
1: your kid, how old was your daughter? Yep, she was 10 months old. So could not go on Space Mountain? No, definitely not, no. No, that trip was definitely more for us. Um, My mom came along. There were, you know, four adults and a baby. We had such a good time. Even though Grace was only 10 months old, the way her face lit up when she saw characters, she just absolutely loved it. So we took her again when she was about two and a half and kind of sad note. um, My mom passed away the week before we went um, on that. Thank you. On that trip, Mm -hmm. my family was like, no, you still need to go to Disney. And it was crazy because when I was down there, the amount of signs was unbelievable that my mom was like there with us after that trip we decided okay it's time for us to really get into this and we joined Disney Vacation Club which is essentially their version of a timeshare so here is
0: me never been going for 2 days in the middle of spring break oh no so idea <laughs> I'm
1: getting myself into but what should we not miss first off you definitely need the my disney experience app got it on your phone they have what's called Genie Plus, which is basically their version of skip the line. In terms of
0: like a ride or an experience, food, like what what's the top top three?
1: If we're doing Hollywood Studios, Rise of the Resistance, which by the way, if you want to skip the line for that, that's an additional, additional cost. Because that's not covered by Genie Plus. Is uh-huh. it worth it? Yes
0: hundred percent. Okay, so I buy whatever it is to do yep. that.
1: 7 a.m., get on there. You can choose your time. Got it. Okay, Rise of the
0: Resistance, 7 a.m. You know what? Every rebel gets up early. I hear exactly.
1: you. If you need a break, the Indiana Jones stunt spectacular <gasps> is super fun.
0: Raiders of the Lost Ark is my favorite movie, and I modeled my entire life off Marion who drinks people under tables <laughs> and punches her boyfriend what about you know when it comes to food everyone's like the food's not great it's really expensive
1: it is expensive
0: how do you feel about me dining at the liberty tree tavern oh my god
1: that's one of my favorites what it is phenomenal the (laughs) ooey gooey toffee cake you picked correctly i feel like magic kingdom is where you need the alcohol because of all of the children and all of the crowds And the only place you can find it is in the sit-down restaurants. Liberty Tree Tavern has great sangria.
0: New England, known for their sangria.
1: And the other hack for quick service is use mobile order on the app. Yep. And if you know you want food, like if you're getting to the park, however you're getting to the park, and it's 9 a.m., and you know you're going to be hungry around 11, you can put a mobile order in for 11. If you wait until you're hungry at 11... The next available time might be one thirty. Got it. All counter service restaurants provide free ice water. Do not buy a $4 bottle of Desani nope. water. Free ice water <sighs> at the counter service restaurants, just... people. And hydrate.
0: I'm just saying this right now. I should be paying you. <laughs> Do you think your daughter, like, what is her favorite part?
1: So she's nine now. She's nine going on 30. <laughs> and, um... She likes more than just like the princessy characters. She loves roller coasters, which I can't do anymore as a mid 40 year old mom and vertigo and nausea and all that stuff.
0: The old calcified ears. Yep. Okay. And then what happens if, let's say an hour into it, my son just has a meltdown. Have, has your daughter had meltdowns in the middle oh, yeah. of? Oh, 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 yeah.
1: oh, for sure. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Just count
0: on that. Is what oh, and saying. by
1: the way, at nine years old, I still rent a stroller for her. Because it's 10 to 12 miles of walking a day.
0: I'm speechless.
1: You can rent a stroller that fits an older kid. And you also have a place to store all your junk too. But I told her, I'm like, we're going in April. That's going to be the last stroller time. You're, you're growing out of it now. You
0: know, <laughs> okay. So. Yeah. No, my kid will complain the whole
1: time. But if you don't have a stroller, breaks are necessary. And if your kid is having a meltdown, take a ride on the monorail around to the other resorts. Take a ride on the ferry. You can just get them away from the craziness.
0: Have you had a
1: meltdown there? <laughs> my husband and I have gotten into a few, you know, <laughs> tips. <laughs> i think one time oh it it drove me nuts he had a false threat like he told our daughter if you do this again we're leaving the park and we're not coming back and i'm like whoa whoa (laughs) we've got this reservation and that No, no 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 that's not happening
0: (laughs) oh my goodness you're now on speed dial sorry
1: (laughs) i'm okay with that thank you so much kate you're the best you're welcome
0: now, I'm even more fascinated than ever by Disney. Okay, after the break, we'll talk to one of the first comedy podcasters, hilarious comic, the very lovely Jimmy Pardo.
2: This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future.
4: So mark your calendar this Thursday, May 9th, for the NYX Anniversary Sale. Get 30% off all leak-proof underwear, shapewear, activewear, and more. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Don't miss this.
0: I am so excited for today's guest because he has been doing his podcast, Never Not Funny, since the early days of podcasting. He is one of the greats. He's made hundreds of television appearances. He's been on all of the late shows. Please welcome the very, very funny Jimmy Pardo. Good
5: morning. Good morning good mo- or afternoon whenever people are listening.
0: Yes, and but I was just saying to you offhand right before we started that you were one of the few people over there on the West Coast in California that was willing to talk to me on the early side. And my first thought, honestly, was because you have a – Parent schedule.
5: Well, I, I I appreciate you trying to <laughs> wedge it into the format of your program. Um, I know.
0: I, I just assumed. I was like, oh, it's because he's a parent. He's used to getting up.
5: It is not. I wish I could. Uh, <laughs> uh, my, my wife has done all the heavy lifting on that since day. That's not fair. I, I, I did a little bit, but my wife is kind of the morning person with my son. My son's fifteen now, so he's you know he's yeah. he's a his own person. Uh, does that mean mommy still doesn't make his bagel every morning? No, it doesn't because oh. he. In, in fairness. I'm interrupting yeah. myself. In fairness, my mom made the greatest ham sandwiches in the world, and all they were were Wonder Bread and ham and cheese and Miracle Whip, and I thought they were the greatest. But if I made them, they were awful, <laughs> right? Same ingredients, but if I did it, it was the worst sandwich in the world. So my son is the same with my wife's bagels, and again, she's not doing anything. There's nothing special going to that bagel,
0: nothing. So your your son is 15. His name is Oliver, is that correct? That's correct. Yes. Your wife, Danielle, she's also in the business. She's a,
5: a TV writer. She just finished up writing on the uh, the Writers Guild Awards, is what she just oh, worked yeah. on recently. And Oliver and I got to go see it for the first time, because it's not televised. And it was great to hear my wife's jokes get laughs. Look, at risk of sounding like a 1957 husband, I was very, very proud of her. And, uh, <laughs> you can be proud. It, it, it was great. <laughs> Uh, And it was great to see my son be proud. And, and, you know, my son loves comedy, so he loved watching the jokes work, too. And we got a nice team over here.
0: Okay, so um, you and I have something in common other than stand-up and podcasting. Yes. Which is game show hosting. Yes. Mine was in the public radio field. You've hosted uh, a few game shows. The one that I think sounded the most fun was competitive escape rooms. Oh,
5: oh, Farrah, that was... I can't believe it's already been this long. 2015, uh, I got a phone call from a guy named Riaz, and they were doing for Science Channel, they were doing a show called Race to Escape, which was two identical escape rooms and two teams of three, not only against a clock to escape to win money, but also they have to beat the other team. Yeah. I got the phone call saying, do you want to host this show? Like, which never happens. You have to audition for everything. They offer me the job. I took it immediately because it sounded amazing. It was amazing. We only did yeah. six episodes. Um, and then Science Channel had some sort of a format change, which is a bummer because take Jimmy Pardo out of the equation. And I'm just watching it with my family. We would watch it every week to this day if it was still on because it was a great show. And I was proud to have hosted it for the limited time it was on. It sucks that it's not on anymore. Ironically, when they canceled this, it took me 45 minutes to leave the building. So that was...
0: I uh, <laughs> could not find the exit fast enough. Couldn't
5: find it. Couldn't find it.
0: You hosted game shows. You do stand-up. Would you call yourself a cinephile? Are you a movie buff? Uh,
5: my son is a cinephile. I, I think that would be the best way to describe my son. He, is, he, is. he knows more about movies than I've ever known. I think I've become more of a cinephile since he's become pretty obsessed with movies and filmmaking and that sort of thing.
0: What genre of movies is your, is your son into right now? Is he, you know, is he doing blockbusters? Is he doing foreign films? Like how, how delicate is his taste?
5: He loves the seventies heist type of
0: movies. Me too.
5: Uh, the taking of Pelham one, two, three, is that Pel- what it's called?
0: Taking of Pelham one, two, three. Fantastic. Yeah. The original is great. The remake, not bad, but the original is amazing. This, I, I, oh my God.
5: You will love this. Uh, my son went as Martin Balsam for Halloween. My 15-year-old son went to school as Martin Balsam.
0: Did anyone know who he was? Of course not.
5: Not even nobody nobody, (laughs) did. Even the teachers are too young.
0: (laughs) You know what? Why he likes that movie, if I just may say, and anyone listening to this, watch that movie. That is such a great movie, is that it somewhat has a stand-up comedy joke structure
5: i will uh i will share that uh that thought with him and see how he feels about it <laughs> i can't wait i'm actually gonna bring it up so that i sound smart i'm gonna go so what do you think about the fact that he's got a stand-up comic rhythm and he's gonna go yes father we can finally talk about movies not your dumb <laughs> yes, i had popcorn <laughs> uh that's I usually like that me. he calls you father, yes, no, he father. please know this he does not he does not all for humor 100 <laughs> 100 for humor
0: you traveled with him quite a bit when he was small.
5: Not so much, no. Daddy was off living his dream, uh, missing uh, you know, his uh, first hit at baseball. Uh, so, But it was important <laughs> to make those people in Ohio laugh.
0: You cannot throw that down on a parenting stand-up show and then yes. just walk away from it. Do you now look back on that and really feel that way? Like, there I was in whatever, you know, I'm going to say, let's make it Canton, Ohio, just to really okay put make the name on this one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> And you missed a pivotal milestone.
5: I don't think I actually missed anything so that my son doesn't hear this and, and feel badly when he's <laughs> 40 and I'm dead. Um I hated packing the bag and I hated saying daddy will see you in four days, you know, daddy will see you in three days, and then you're gone and you're, you you know, you try to FaceTime and you, you do all that. I it's cats in the cra, you know, Terry Chapin. It's 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 that song. You know, we you know, we yep. as, as performers as comedic troubadours. I didn't miss any big tent poles. I still missed a lot. And sure. as awful as this sentence is that I'm about to say sounds, the best thing that happened was the pandemic because it forced me to stay home.
0: You're not the first person who said that.
5: Okay, good. Because I, I obviously people died. I don't mean to say there was anything, I mean, the, you know, the, anything right. good came out of the pandemic, but that forced us to stay here. And I got to spend 11 through 14 or whatever that, those ages would be, which is a pretty big shift for a, for a boy and I'm a yeah. for a girl too, but I, I, I'm raising a son and I am a boy, um, certainly a boy at heart. Um, <laughs> watching that shift, you know, from 10 to teenager and hormones and everything. So I was here for all that. So I'm grateful I was there for that and got to see him grow up during that little time of life. And, you know, luckily now I don't, I, I'm not traveling as much anymore because of just life has made it so I don't have to. And I'm very grateful. Right. And I get to experience uh, all of his stuff.
0: That's amazing. Before we go any further, I actually want to play a game with you.
5: You know I love games. I I, I love it. I'm ready.
0: I'm just going to give you the title and a synopsis of a kid's movie. They make so many now.
5: You know, when I was a child and we would go to the motion picture house, there was like two kids movies a year. And it was a big event for us to go and watch the Apple Dumpling Gang.
0: We would end up going to movies that were way too old for us. Like the first movie I ever went to as a tiny little child was Murder on the Orient Express. And supposedly I talked all the way through it and people were not very happy.
5: Before you jump to the game, let me very very quickly. Yeah. uh, My father took me uh, uh, to see uh, Warren Beatty's Shampoo. Have you ever (laughs) seen that movie? Oh my God
0: yes yeah that should there ever be a child sitting in that movie theater
5: no no
0: do, do you remember like walking away with any images that
5: you had questions about all of all of the imagery yes it was it was him he was it was him having sex with all the these hairdressers like there was the whole premise was him and i just remember sitting there watching, like like what did he think this was nudity right there's a lot of nudity yes
0: yes <laughs> Yeah, but if you look at it from a European point of view, to have like a appreciation of the uh, human form and see some nudity should be no real issue as a young child.
5: Well, listen, uh, I certainly understood that as I adjusted my fedora, but I don't know if my mother <laughs> and father <laughs> did. Um, I don't disagree with anything you just said, by the way. And I, we can't, we kind of feel that way with with Oliver. Like he's he's seen some stuff that like he watches the Sopranos and and he has seen Pulp Fiction. We're not hiding anything from him. At the same time, we right. We know what he can handle.
0: What do you think he can't handle?
5: You mean after I just said Sopranos and Pulp Fiction, what's left for him not to handle? <laughs> I know, right? What yes. does that mean? You know, here's what it was. It was me trying to sound like a good dad and that maybe I screwed up by showing him some bad movies. <laughs> um, that's what that really was. You're right. Once Sopranos and Pulp Fiction are out, you know, what, what what's left?
0: But then it's not
5: horror. Hates horror. Hates, Hates it. it. Hates it. The scariest movie he's probably seen is probably Halloween, which is one of my favorite movies of all time, uh, the 1978. Yeah. And I don't think he was even scared. I think he just kind of went... Yeah, okay, I get it, and but he he doesn't like horror. (laughs) That
0: is such a kid of now. Uh Uh-huh. Sort of slow-paced, Dad. It's a little slow-paced. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to throw out a name of real or fake kids' movies. Okay. Ugly Dolls. In Uglyville, everything and everyone is different. This suits ugly doll Moxie and her friends just fine until they visit the town of perfection, where human kids are beautiful And all the same.
5: I fear because the the title is so um, ridiculous that it's fake, but I think it's real. I think it's going to be real. This is a real movie, right? Yeah, real.
0: It is totally real. It's a 2019 animated movie, computer animated movie, starring Kelly Clarkson.
5: What? Kelly Clarkson took time away from her nine other jobs to voice this thing? (laughs) I don't know Um, how. It either sounds like it's great or horrible, right? One of the two. Uh, How about American Psycho Junior? Oh, no.
0: An animated attempt at explaining sociopathic behavior through the eyes of Pat B, a rich, well-dressed third grader who's the most popular kid in his Upper East Side school by day, but a ruthless prankster by night.
5: Make no mistake, I want to see that movie, but I think it's fake. I think it's fake. (laughs) Yeah, that's totally fake, but I think we're ready. The title might need to be uh, calmed down a bit because American Psycho (laughs) Jr. whatever might be too much, but I think the premise sounds great, doesn't it? Yeah. How about The 5,000
0: Fingers of Dr. T? This is a story about a boy who falls asleep during a boring piano lesson, is transported to a mansion in his dream where he and 499 other boys are forced to play a giant piano or face torture.
5: Again, I don't know if it's real or not. I'm going to make a guess, but I watched that, I watched that movie. Um, I like pianos. Sounds good. Um, yeah. But I'm going to say fake. That's fake.
0: It's real. It was written by Dr. Seuss. It's the only movie he ever wrote in 1953. I don't know it. And we can watch it. We can? Yes, we can. All right, I have another one for you. The Peanut Butter Solution. Okay. 11-year-old Michael contracts an illness from ghosts. The antidote is peanut butter, which also causes Michael's hair to grow uncontrollably. Michael is then kidnapped by his former art teacher and forced to use his hair to make paintbrushes until he is saved by his family it sounds like a fever dream of insanity but there you go
5: I'm gonna say that's real it that sounds too too specific yes yeah.
0: that is an 80s Canadian movie and the film includes songs by the then teenage Celine Dion
5: really Gee. it was her first English songs good for her I hope she's doing well because sometimes <laughs> those 80s <laughs> people okay. they don't move on to anything but it sounds you're telling me she's done some other stuff good for her all right <laughs> terrific
3: Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.
4: It's almost here. The NYX Anniversary Sale starts this Thursday, May 9th at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. So, mark your calendar this Thursday, May 9th, for the NYX Anniversary Sale. Get 30% off all leak-proof underwear, shapewear, activewear, and more. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X dot com. Don't miss this.
0: Before you were doing comedy, you were a sales rep at MCA Records?
5: I was. I managed record stores for years, and then the head of the Chicago branch of MCA Records came to my record store And uh, asked me if I wanted an interview for a job. And it was to be the jazz specialist. And I interviewed and I did not get the job. And rightfully so. I knew some jazz, but I should never, I would never be a specialist. And then he said, I have a sales spot opening up soon. Would you be interested in that? And I said, yeah, of course. Keep me in mind. And sure enough, two months later, he came back to the record store and he said, you want that sales job? You're hired. Working for a label was like the dream job. You get to hang out with rock stars and you get free records and you're getting going to parties and all that stuff. That was like, are you kidding me? And I was only 21 years old uh, when that all happened. So my friends at the record stores were all jealous and the people at MCA Records all hated me because who's this young punk? And I was not good at my job. I was horrible. You were not? I was not. I got the job right around the same time that I was like, I think I want to do stand-up. And so mm-hmm. I spent most of my in-office hours calling clubs, looking for when the, when is the open mic, when can I get booked, at the same time, I'm, I'm, I'm. you know, I'm hanging out with Tiffany and uh, Bobby Brown, Tom Petty, the people that were on MCA at the oh time. I was there for two something years and my boss finally came to me and said, you have to make a decision. By the way, they, the whole office has come to see me do stand up like three weeks before this and watched me bomb like I've, like to this day, <laughs> one of the worst bombs I've ever had. Like just a, you know, we're I'm on stage knowing they're going to avoid eye contact with me on Monday. Like that one of those. We're, they're all going to pretend this didn't happen. Like that's how bad it was. He brought me into his office and he said, uh, "Hey, you got to make a decision. You got to figure out do you want to work here at MCA, which again was the greatest job." I'm, hel- fuck, I I was hanging out with Elton John. I literally I hung out with Elton John twice. Like make a decision. You got to do this, or you're going to pursue stand up comedy. And I said, "You know what? I'll, I'll tell you in the morning." And even the look at there was like, "You can't really be thinking about this. Like you you're not good at stand up. This is a job where you're making like." Six figures. What are you talking about? And then the next day I came in and I said, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna give my two-week notice. I'm gonna I'm gonna pursue stand-up. And he looked at me like I was out of my skull. And then we had our morning meeting. And he said, Hey, before we start the morning meeting, I just want to let you know, Jim has let me know he is leaving. He's given his two-week notice. He's gonna pursue stand-up comedy. And the silence in that room <laughs> by all of these people <laughs> that had just seen me bombed, like they just. Like, they all couldn't look at their binders like, like oh, look at that. I wrote that down earlier. Like, nobody said good luck. Nobody said congratulations. Like, they didn't know what to say because it was like, this has got to be a prank. He sucks. Sure enough. So two weeks later, I left. And uh, then the record business uh, fell apart. I like to think that it came unglued once I left. But it was a great job. I'm grateful to have had it.
0: Your stand-up, uh, I would say, is you're not a different person. You're you. On stage.
5: You know what? Here's the thing. In fairness, those people that saw me bomb, they're not wrong. Because what happened was, (laughs) as an open miker, I was really funny and I was really me. That's the truth. I was like, at the open mics I went to, I was like, oh, Pardo's on. And people would run in to see me because I was funny and I was in the moment. and And I would, you know, do the nonsense I'm doing like here talking with you, being real. Yeah. And then I started getting paid. And for some reason, something mistakenly clicked in my head. Well, now you got to be a professional. And and I tried really hard to be like Paul Reiser and Jerry Seinfeld and who are, you know, of course, brilliant. Reiser is one of my heroes, but it wasn't me. And so then I went through these growing pains of trying to be like almost doing a parody of a comic. Like I wasn't good. And then eventually, I went back to to what you talked about, uh, being just myself and being true on stage.
0: And then you've been hosting your podcast, Never Not Funny, since two thousand and six, when there were no podcasts. I nope. mean, I, am I right in saying you were the first comedy centric podcast?
5: Other than Ricky Gervais, Ricky had his, and uh, mm-hmm. and then the Onion had theirs, and and Never Not Funny. The three of us would rotate the number one spot on Apple Podcasts. It's and amazing. if I'm in the top 200 now, it's it'd be amazing. But I, I used to be literally the number one podcast uh, because there were three of them.
0: How did that even come about? Like, did did someone convince you yes. into it?
5: My co-host and producer to this day, a guy named Matt Belknap, yes. he ran a website called TheSpecialThing.com. It was an alternative comedy website. Absolutely. He would come to shows in LA at the UCB or at Largo or at the M-Bar, and he came up to me after one of my... I don't want to say fake talk shows because it was a real talk show. It just wasn't televised. I would do talk shows at the UCB theater. And he came up afterwards and said, you know, do you want to make this into a podcast? And again, I had only known about the Ricky Gervais podcast. I knew nothing else. And in a rare Jimmy Pardo moment, I went, yes, let's do that. (laughs) And thank, I mean this, I mean this sincerely, because it wouldn't have happened if Matt Belknap hadn't been a fan of mine. He was a fan of my comedy and he came to me and said, I want to produce your podcast. Let's do it. It changed my life career wise. Matt Belneb asked me to do that. And then meeting Conan O'Brien in 2009, where those are the two things that changed my career more than anything else. And I am grateful for both of those moments.
4: You were
0: doing warm-up for the Conan O'Brien show for years. You've also appeared on it many, many, mm-hmm. many times, but you were reticent to take that job in the beginning.
5: You know, I had done warm-up a little bit when I first moved here and it was horrible. I wasn't the right guy for it. I hate to put it down because there's a skill to it and there's very talented people that do it, but it's it's a lot of babysitting and it's a lot of hand holding and it's a lot of rah-rah and and handing out candies and stuff yeah. like that. And it t-shirt just, gun. That wasn't my bag. I wasn't good at that. When Conan was moving from New York to LA to take over the Tonight Show, and I got the call saying they want to meet you to be the the warm up, I was like, "Nope, I'm not a warm up. I can't do it. It's not my job." And and then I was like, "I don't know, man. It's the Tonight Show. Your dream was to host the Tonight Show. Shouldn't you at least take the meeting? Should you at least go and see what they're <laughs> offering you?" And so I went in there, and I'm not kidding a fair. Within a second, I was like, "I'm taking this job." They literally were like, "If you don't take this, we don't know what we're going to do." They told me Andy Richter said the guy to get for this job is Jimmy Pardo. He could talk from one minute to an hour off the top of his head with the same sensibilities as this show. And so they said, do you want it? At that moment, I actually went, you know, I'm not sure. And, uh, Jeff Ross, the EP got on a phone and goes, I don't know who he's talking to. I find I'll reveal that in a moment. He goes, yeah, he doesn't want it. He's saying, no, he's saying he doesn't want the job. He he started this down. And, uh, then Conan O'Brien came in and, and I had never met Conan and Conan walks into the meeting and goes, what do you mean you're turning it down? Conan looks around the room and there's no chairs available. So he sits down crisscross applesauce. What a cool dude to just sit down on the floor to have the rest of this wow. meeting. And he's like, just take the job. Because if, if, if after a couple of weeks, you don't like it, leave, but give it a try. I stayed until Race to Escape happened. And I had to leave to focus on Race to Escape. And those six episodes, <laughs> instead of, you know, staying there for another four <laughs> years of full-time work. Um, so grateful they talked me into it. My management said, The second they see how funny you are, you're not just going to be the warm-up, they're going to use you. And sure enough, they did. I'm very grateful that somebody in this effing town saw my talents and used them.
0: And you get that sweet W-2 income.
5: I would get that, and also insurance.
0: (laughs) I know, I know. I've interviewed a lot of people, and the one thing that comes up consistently with stand-up comics who are parents is the great desire for something that we all mocked when we got into stand up comedy, which was stability.
5: How do I get stability, and how do they not take it away from me? And in our case, with the Tonight Show, you know, we were there for you know seven months, and then Jay Leno wanted his job back, and somebody thought that was a good idea, so we all got fired, <laughs> you know, because eh, those headlines are going to read themselves. <laughs> you know, luckily Conan took care of us. They could have just said thanks, Jimmy, and they didn't. They they gave me you know like a parachute wow. to get me through. Those months that we weren't on the air between NBC and TBS. At that time, Oliver was a year and a half old. Yeah, you needed that. And even my mind was like, well, you're not the greatest warm-up, but this is the tonight show. This is gonna last a lifetime. Yeah. And then it didn't.
0: And then your wife is a TV writer. Yes. So I mean, when when Oliver was little, how did your wife and you manage having two creative careers? And a little tiny kid.
5: When Oliver was first born, Danielle was writing on a TV show called The Dish on E. Yeah. I remember it. Really funny show. Oliver was a tiny baby. She was off writing and I was a jackass comedian who had just started a podcast. And, and we did something that I, like I, a sentence I never thought I'd say, but, you know, we had to get a nanny. Danielle and I are not nanny people, but we had to get one because she's working. And if I go off on the road, he's 18 months, he can't hang out on, on his own. So no. So that's how we handled it. And uh, I mean, I don't think there was any other way to handle it, but uh, it doesn't feel me to say our nanny, blah, blah, blah. It's just not our, but anyway, that's how we handle it.
0: Here I am with a little kid in the digital age. I cannot imagine having a budding teenage to adult boy. How are you navigating all of this stuff? What's, how involved
5: are you? I think I'm doing exactly what my parents did, is they just, you you ignore that it's even happening. Like, I think that's, <laughs> um, I I, always, I used to try to make this joke on stage about, uh, and it never really worked because I could never really get the wording down, but about the idea of in high school, you'd go to a your your girlfriend's house and then you go okay we're gonna go upstairs and do homework and everybody in the house knows you're not doing homework everybody's aware you know the the parents know you're not doing homework the father the 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 mother the brother this everybody knows that but we all pretend that this game i guess that's what i'm doing with oliver it's like hey i'm gonna go i'm gonna be alone in my room for a little bit oh okay dummy oh what are you looking at Uh, star wars pictures you know uh, you know oh is there a new batman trailer
0: yeah, wait till you find out the real movie that he's not watching. Taking Pelham One, Two, Three. What's he watching? He's watching Taking Pamela.
5: Yeah, three, two, one.
0: <laughs> As we were talking, I'm I put together a picture of your son. You you have a little bit of self described relaxed parenting. You're sort of letting him be his own person, yet at the same time, he has this very sophisticated taste when it comes to pop culture. And I was listening to you talking about, what we say meltdowns, we just usually talk about the kids, but you were going to see an Elton John concert. Driving to see that concert in LA, I guess, is just a nightmare.
5: Oh, yes. Even bad traffic, it should have been 40 minutes. It took us two, two hours plus to get into the venue, Dodger Stadium. I would flip between three different navigation apps. Oh, you were trying to game the system. You're hilarious. Well, what's this one saying? What's this one saying? And they're all saying the same thing you're screwed. And my son also had to tell me, let's say 7,000 times it was okay that we were running late. My nerves were a little fried. And then the show started and um, there's no other way to describe it, but I just literally, I I just collapsed uh, and just was a a puddle. (laughs) My son's consoling me. That's how much of a mess I was. You know, There's my 15 year old son with his arm around me going, it's okay, dad. It's okay. You know, and, and I'm just blubbering like an idiot. It hit me. My mom passing away, Elton John's final show ever, supposedly, in the United States. You know, mortality, my son becoming a 15 and becoming a man. Like, it all was like, oh, boy, oh, boy. Yeah, he got to see his dad be nuts, literally nuts in the car, and then uh, collapse and be, a, again, a puddle of water, dehydrated, <laughs> watching Elton John it was a it was a night when you guys left was he's like that's the last concert i'm going to with dad i i don't know what was said to danielle behind the scenes but i got to assume that was involved i have to assume he said <laughs> seriously mom dad dad can joke about it all he wants it was a nightmare yeah i don't know did you
0: always want to be a dad Oh, that's a great question.
5: Um, I think so. You know, once I realized, like, I mean, I certainly didn't want one at a younger age when I was still like a road comic, and there's no way I could have been mature enough to handle that. Although I, I, I understand everybody says Yeah, you're never ready for it, and then you, your brain flips. I don't think I could have. I was too narcissistic as a comic of, you know, wanting to pursue this stupid career, and I wouldn't have been okay being a dad. But I think the answer is yeah. I think I did. I, I love being Oliver's dad, and I, I, I hope that I get to be around long enough to. Be a grandfather and get to experience that uh, joy. Um, and uh, by that, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm in my fifties, and he's only fifteen. So who knows when, he, if he waits till he's forty to have a kid, who knows where I'm going to be? So I hope he knocks somebody up in high school.
0: <laughs> he mentioned that he's
5: making films. He made films when he was a little guy. Uh, you know, he on his oh. iPad he would write little Star yeah. Trek episodes or he would write like an episode of the twilight zone and he would film that and i think eventually he's going to go down that path he did a speech yesterday at school boy can you you'll be able to relate to this i said hey how did the speech go he was so like dad they all told me how funny it was they all told me that they liked this line they all told me like and it was like oh you're describing doing a stand-up set you're describing
0: Uh
5: oh yes Uh oh (laughs) please don't i'm begging you son don't go into stand-up comedy i'm begging you
0: would you pass down your podcast to him at some point? Would you? Be oh, I think to the listeners
5: expecting that, and they can't wait for that to happen. Yeah. I think they're done with me, <laughs> and they are ready for some new blood of Oliver to come in and take over. Yes.
0: Thank you so much, Jimmy. And everyone, go to uh, jimmypardo.com. Find out where you can see him next and hear him next.
5: It was my honor. Thank you.
0: That's our show. Thank you so much for listening. You can follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at Parenting is a Joke or on Twitter at Parenting Joke. Join our monthly newsletter. It has tips and updates, tricks, and games, everybody. Just go over to Parenting is a Joke and sign up. If you are in New York, come join me for a Passover comedy show at Union Hall in Brooklyn on Wednesday, April 5th at 10 p.m. It's called Exodus, A Sort of Seder with Erie Barr and Emily Flake, both hilarious comics and parents. For details go to my website ofiraisberg.com. You can follow me on the socials at ofirae. Our episode is produced by me and Julie Smith Clem. Our editor is Nina Porzuki. Our sound designer is Tina Toby Mac. Our game writer is Emily Winter. Our theme song and music is by Adir Amram and The Experience. Special thanks to all of the engineers at CityVox. And we'll leave you with Oliver Pardo's side. Of his father Jimmy Pardo's meltdown at the Elton John concert.
4: My dad's meltdown at the Elton John concert was—I mean, it was the the thing
0: in the car was like kind of infuriating because the constant switching back between the five different math apps, who all had the exact same answer. Uh, I mean, it was, it was fine. It was funny. Uh, but it was just kind of like, alright, I think we got it here. Then crying at the concert, I don't know, I is I not not really surprised since you cried
2: everything, but no, I, I, I thought there was, a, it, it was nice, you know, compared to that map, which were a disaster.